0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, Friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harrah's Resort SoCal in 2024.
1: My name is Tin Nguyen, I'm an LWAP survivor. What LWAP stands for is life without the passing parole. I was sentenced to die in prison. I'm out here in prison, so that's what we call ourselves, as LWAP survivor. Welcome
0: to The Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world.
1: Being Vietnamese for me now, it is about openness, embracing diversity, having mm-hmm. sympathy and empathy, being mentor to our younger generation, to teach them and show them about the beauty of uh, of the Bible's culture, encouraging them to be to be kind hearted, to care. We ourselves, at least myself, and the generation before me, people of that impacted by war and trauma, you know, and separation. Now, tell me about how you
0: grew up. What, what was your childhood like?
1: That was rough. You know me? I mean, I mean I came over, what, probably like first grade, second grade, right? I uh, went to uh, Pomona, uh, at, uh, Lincoln Elementary in Pomona, California. Um, I remember I was on, we was on the Vietnamese family and one others, And my, one of my best friends was girl, little girl named, boom. You know, those are the good memories, right? But bowling. Of course, you know racial slur. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you remember uh, that Chinese, Japanese. You know, that most kids, you know, say to us Asian. You know, I mean, uh, of course, experienced that. I think, but uh, so it's rough. You know, me was rough uh, coming over here and being poor. You know, uh, dad, my father wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to understand for him, right? but the culture shock that he had much experience. And of course the trauma of the war and everything and coming over here and have depend on his wife, you know what I mean for finance and, and provision and stuff like that and was able by himself took a toll on him, you know what I mean? Uh, so there was a lot of abuse in the family, you know what I mean? And I, I think of most of us, uh, Growing up, we are Vietnamese, and least for my generation, we 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 kind of uh I think that we can relate with that. You know, I, I realized that I'm not the only one that, you know, I Mendes has always been through that with a, you know, I mean, the fact that we had to go to school and and deal with the bully and the the prejudice. Then we come back home, we have to deal with our father, you know, toxic masculinity perspective of how men a boy should be. I remember all he said yeah, you know I mean if you can't meet that standard well, he come with ass whooping yeah <laughs> childhood yeah, yeah. Uh, was really rough for me in the end
0: it, it's not often talked about uh as we were growing up how difficult it was for these men who were coming out of the war and basically mm-hmm. in their minds they lost and some of them were like well past 30 and having to resettle and do weird jobs like clean bathrooms or whatever and it was not i don't think it was psychologically easy on any of them and you know is of course not yeah is that something your father went through
1: i definitely my father went through that you know from a man that provided his family you know back in vietnam and took care of everything you know um owning the you know owning a business or his own company you know it's well off to uh you know, what I mean going to a coach he doesn't understand a language he couldn't speak. Uh, you know, what I mean uh, starting all, all over again, like doing all this job that he normally would look up beneath him, right? And having his wife, you know, I had to go to work and provide for the kids and even provide for him. You know, took a toll. And and you guys, it wasn't. I had a heart, and I was just a kid. Now imagine how. Be, with all that burden and all the thing that he's going through and what kind of uh, uh prejudice and racial uh, 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 racist uh you know that he had go through himself as a man, you know what I mean as a Vietnamese man that came over and right after the war itself and how much hatred there was uh, toward all people, you know what I mean all the blaming yeah, we take these refugees in, but there was a lot of blaming you you got Vietnamese go back to your you know you know your dirty gook. Go back to your country, and I experienced that myself when I was uh, seven or eight. Eight, and I was a pep boy buying something, uh, looking around, and I saw this old man, and he he was trying to be, be, be uh, exchange something, and he's a bit old Vietnamese man, older Vietnamese, like he probably been in the forty, little uh, maybe little older to his fifty, and he tried to exchange something. And I think he asked him to put his pocket, something like that, and they came out, you know, I mean, degrading you know, him. Like, you know, uh, you know you, you're know, trying to steal this. Uh, you know, you dirty gook, you should go back to country. This is where you guys came over for. And he was like, I don't understand English. I don't understand English. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, me no English, me no English. And he would just, they were just on him. And I remember I had to step up, you know, with my little broken English and try to defend him. You know I mean, try to clear, clear that out. And I remember, I also remember how he looked at how how the eye of you know how he felt defeated you know what I mean, how you know it, and it's like you said they just lost a war coming over with all the trauma of the war losing the war have to do all this and now being degraded you know what i mean to to a point like uh, that as he was a thief you know i mean I, I could tell you how what what can do to a man so you know in hindsight now i look back. I could see why my dad was the way he was, you know, why he was so hard on me, why he was. uh...
0: Yeah. You you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who experience the difficulty of their father. um, And a lot of them will have gone on to have, you know, do things that are, you know, constructive with their life but i think you you chose a different path at the at the time right you kind of um whatever uh, whatever trauma that your father had uh, you absorbed you took a different path do you could you recall like why do you think that you specifically took a different path in life than you know maybe a lot of other people who just like absorbed the trauma of their father made different decisions why specifically in your case did you go on another route
1: I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to say I had bad role model, right? But uh, what I w- would like to say is that I was looking at the wrong people as my role model. You know, I was. You know, uh, I think that that's more correctly. You know, I could have just looked at my mom, like my sister and them, and see how resilient she is, how passionate is, how loving she is, how hard she working, and went that route. Or my older brother, way he was looking at my mom, and you know. Uh, but instead, I started looking, I couldn't look at my father because he was, you know, I of course, all the abuse and everything like that. And I, I just see the negativity in him and not all the stuff that he sacrificed to bring his family over here. So I began to look at my brothers and the one that's actually uh, a little, feel, you know, a little bit older than me, not my, not my oldest one, but, you know, the unbi- and, you know, uh, and those, so like that, right? I think that's how many people call it. And they... Um, during that time, they were in the team, and, and you know, me, and uh, I remember my cousin, Pacific, that age, uh, is. Uh, I, I remember he driving down the freeway. I was driving down the street where we live. and as a kid, uh, the, the, the the like, there was this high school boy across the uh, the, the street was his us name, you know, you know, you know, making r- racial slur, and I met my cousin and my brother just drove down the car with the little three-way speakers, blue silica bumping new wave music, and they stopped, right? And they they ran out, they they opened the door, they ran out and they and they got up, got up with those, those, those kids, those other high school kids. And and now, you know, it was like four on two, you know, right? And uh, my cousin was doing all this Bruce Lee stuff, right? (laughs) You know, he's kind of like back back, back, belt himself. And uh this no laughing matter, right? But, uh, yeah, uh, but however, you know, these kids respect them for that. You know, uh, this, this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this other one, uh, these uh, Caucasian kid respect them for that. And after the fight, they go, then they came and they kind of like shook his hand, like, hey, you know, this you know, and me myself, I kid them, wow, that's, that's what I need to do. I need to wow. be that way, you know, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I need to show them that uh, we are Vietnamese, you know, I mean, that, uh, and using violence. It's the key to gain respect. And uh that's how I got to my first fight. You know, and i uh, uh, went to school, I went to a summer camp. Some kid was making fun of me, you know what I mean? And um I remember back in my mind saying, I'm gonna do what my brother did, and I hit him. And I remember there was, uh, even at a young age, how kid was around, they would cheer me on. I felt that uplifting feeling, that wow. empowerment. Uh um, and that was my you know, I would call that a turning point, even as young as young as life, how I could gain respect and kind of like ease uh been and stuff like that by using violence. You you know,
0: they, they have studies on gamblers and uh typically gamblers and gambling addiction comes when um the gambler wins a big amount early in the gambler's career. And that chase of that uh endorphin that rush of of adrenaline is what keeps you gambling um for life and i think that's an interesting uh, story that you know you got that first fight and you won and it got you the respect and then that sort of probably kept it going and uh, without the proper guidance that's some yeah because i i wonder about that why is it so that some people continue on on, on a, one road and then they correct themselves and or some people don't and i think that one victory sometimes in the beginning you're now probably in high school and going through life and it's mm-hmm. difficult and you're getting bullied but then you're like wait a minute I beat some guy's ass and that's that's the the answer to to the re- the problem
1: I also believe that the proper role model you know I me mean? and I was looking I was always looking at my brothers you know I me mean? uh, as a proper role model, like okay didn't use violence to gain respect to you know to stop the bullying and gain respect. And I did it myself. I saw the result of it. I felt the result of it. So now you know that's reinforcement. These are the guy I'm gonna look up to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of turning around and say, you know what, my oldest brother who went to the who went to the navy and stuff like that, you know what I mean, was a better role model. My mom was a better role model. And even my father, you know, on this stuff that he had done his sacrifice was a better role model, but I chose. I chose not to, you know, uh, seek better role models than the, the one that actually gave me the most gratification at that moment. Yeah. Now,
0: yeah. now those two brothers, like Anba and Tu, did those guys actually go down the same route that you did in life or did they
1: improve their their way of living? Uh, so my cousin and <laughs> my cousin, right? And uh, to my brother, right? <laughs> my cousin had to uh, turn his life around. Uh, he turned his right life around, went back to school, uh, g- uh, got a college degree, and have a family and a, a good life now. My uh, my brother that uh, like Anthos the one that's uh, above a little bit. He also turned his life around, right? And those because he have kids and stuff like that, he turned his life around. But the uh, the one I say, and I would say I call him I call him Jung, but actually you know he's like, kind of like Anbar, right? Uh, he he passed away. He passed away, so uh, uh, I think he uh, he passed away before he even changed his life around. You Got know what I mean? So uh, yeah,
0: yeah, that, that that's a tragedy. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and and so when exactly did you start to really get into the gang life?
1: Uh, I went to a Boy Scout. Who not, who not and I, it's just funny that my troop, right, I, would, I wouldn't say all, but the, the majority became, my, you know, became thugs, became gang member, And it, it was, it's funny story, funny story, right? So we, 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 you know, we try to do what Boy Scouts do, right, you know, go to, uh, you know, go with a Boy Scout uniform, we ride we a bike to the mall and stuff like that. And, you know, we try to help people, we try to sell stuff, right? And I remember we got picked on by uh, by this high school, uh, you know, me and uh, African-American and uh, they actually beat us up. Right. And I I, and I, I totally remember after that, after saying that on the floor, looking at each other, which just like, no, boys crying for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, so we just, uh, you know, we took off our scout uniform, we put on, you know, me, you, know, t- uh, you know, T-shirt and nickies and stuff. You know I me, mean? and then became you know became thugs instead of Boy Scout. Uh,
0: so wait a minute, it happened and, at uh, that point where you like you know uh, within a matter of short time, you just go out and get Dickies and these over. Oversized- I want to say
1: a short. I want to say that short mid of time right? You know I me, mean? but that was kind of like the the straw that broke the camel back. Yeah, like definitely. like we done with the Boy Scout. It's, it's, it's not working for us. You know I means and 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 then from there we make the transition. We start to like five. Instead of trying to help others, you know, he's trying to be, you know. So we can't just put that boy away and become young guy. Yeah, and we were very young though, so we was like, you know, and you know, not ang but like you know, guy game and you know, ang and stuff like that, right? Those are got, what a junior year, uh, not junior. I mean a uh, uh, middle school year. Yeah, about middle school year. That's where that's where you know we start making the transition. You know, I. I So I didn't just like, we didn't take our clothes off and just met Red Nikki's right right? (laughs) away. You know what I mean? But that's what the kind of the the final straw, right? And we make that transition, quit the Boy Scout and start making transition to, uh, you know, become uh, Young Oh, We thought ourselves Young Yeah, right? My my biggest uh, turning point where I became fully full-fledged is I would say when I was like, 13 14, and you know, I mean, uh, I have a friend, his name is we call him Gautai, right? Uh, we call him his name is uh, we call him Ken, but his name is Gautai. And I think he was like 15 and a half close to 16. He got he got his permit. He drove by, and uh, we were all in continuation school, we all got kicked out of high school. We was all in continuation school, right? Yeah, uh, and he drove by. And he's like, hey, let's go, un cafe, right? And so we go, cool. So we all jumped in, went, un cafe. but instead we left Pomona. And I remember this kind of like the first time in a way that uh, I would say that I left Pomona without my parents, you know, stuff like that. that you know, uh, or somebody older than me, this is a bunch of kids leaving Pomona, right? And we went out to roast meat. And I remember we went to this one cafe, they called call the V they called uh, yeah and you know that yeah, I,
0: I grew up i grew up in that era and i went to the v i went to international all of that yes
1: uh-huh. okay so so the v right uh we were sitting right there and of course we like 13 14 you know me, I mean 15 grew young probably like eight or nine o'clock at night and my uh and the waiter came out you know she, she we ordered co- coffee and stuff like that and she came over with a glass of milk and she put it right in the middle of the table and she go you know what i mean uh I'm, i don't know mo- i don't remember the exact word that the Vietnamese word she used but to pray pray what she's saying to put it or translate what she's saying to push my that, you know I me mean? uh you boy enjoy your milk kind of like that you know drink your milk and go home and so the oldest one, which I saw can, right? The one that dry, he kind of looked at her like, what the what the fuck? And excuse me, do you mind if I cuss? No. No, no, no. So no, please, you know, he's, he's like, what the fuck? And I remember adding, you know, man, get this shit out, bitch, right? And and I and because of that, I remember uh, her boyfriend came over. And he was older, probably 18, 19, you know what I mean? And he came over and and my uh, my friend Ken pick up the pick up a chair. And he pulled out a gun and he shot him. Then he turned around, and he shot her, he shot up me and my other two friend that was on the other side. Everything happened quick. I was on the I, I was on the ground. And and I remember uh, they all ran and everybody ran out. And I, my friend, my friend came, was on the floor and the only came out and he she could pull him by the leg and she pulled him out of the parking lot. She go, you can't die in my place. You can't die in my place. And we remember telling her like, stop, stop, stop. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's hurt, he's hurt. And when we was in the parking lot, I remember holding him, and I remember his lip was purple, and you better could hear his breath, and so, so he died on me. I never forgave the owner, I never forgave that. Waitress, I never forget the guy, those guys that could have just took us out of the park lock and spanked us. That's how young we was. They could just took us out of the park lock and just bend us, each one of us over and spank us. We were kids. But they chose did, to kill us. Did, did that guy ever go to jail? Oh. They never caught the guy. I remember saying to myself, i will never get caught slipping. That I was always gonna make the first move, that I was always gonna be strapped. So I from then on, that was all my, my my mentality. Your
0: your boy Ken was laying there dying. And at what point do you let him put him down? And I mean, does the police show up? What happens yeah. after that?
1: So of course. The police came, right, and you know they remove us, you know we like you know, pull us away, uh, you know we you know we kids so we crying, you know like you know like, tell him to breathe, breathe, it's gonna be okay. But he was already gone. He got shot right in the heart, and of course that moment we didn't know that he passed away. You know, what I mean, cause we we still think like he's. It's gonna be life. It's going, you know. It's like this couldn't ha- this couldn't be happening to us. It couldn't be happening. You know what I mean? Like uh, we just sit, drink coffee. We just you know driving down to you know driving down from Pomona down here together. But uh, of course you know later on the detective came and they 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 didn't inform us because we were too young. They told our parents, and I think I'm on the ride back from from Rosemary to Pomona. My mom was telling my uh, my best friend mom and said. Uh, three of our son I mean five of yeah four of our son left Pomona and only three came back. And I remember they were crying when they said that. You know uh, you know back in back in that time the Vietnamese community is pretty tight. You know it's we everybody know each other. You know I mean everybody everybody's son everybody's son and daughter is like everybody's son and daughter you know and yeah so But uh, yeah, uh, they took us to the station. Of course, they interrogate us to see what we know, what we don't know, what's going on. It's an open homicide case. And uh, they released it to our parents after that. And
0: did you guys uh, try to find like a bigger option to join up and take revenge? Or what were you guys thinking after that incident?
1: Man, I was, like I said, I was 13, 14. <laughs> you know, I mean, I uh, just, uh, you, know, you know, I mean, um, from my understanding, right, the older guy from Pomona, you know, of course they went and look, you know, what I mean, because uh, no matter what, you know, Ken was their little brother, you know, what I mean, and I don't know the result of that, but as for myself, you know, I mean, uh, I, uh, I began to use harder drugs. You know, when before it was only drinking weed, now I'm using cocaine. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, um, I started using cocaine more often. Uh, my I became more violent. You know, I became more violent. And such a young age, I couldn't get a gun, so I get a knife. You know, but eventually I worked my way up to getting a gun and strap myself. And and then from then me and my boys. The one that survived, we got together and we, uh, you know, start our own gang. You know, we was a bunch of little kids, little thugs, right? And like you said, we did join with a bigger gang, which uh, with the we, we did how to say associate ourselves with a big gang, which is the V Boy that time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, the V actually, it's not the V Boy, but the V, because a lot of our is from the V. So we call ourselves Vietnamese gangster, right? And we are uh, Pomona V Boy. Right. So we kind of like uh, uh, use them as an umbrella for protection. Our generation uh, during that time. Right. Uh, was very, I would say, you know I mean? I, I, I believe was very violent. Very. You know I mean? And I remember reading some uh, a text uh, somewhere in the textbook. Right. Uh, reading something about every, every general and every immigrant that come over. Right. From the Irish to the Italians. You know what I mean? And. You know, I mean, uh, they stated that they would a generation would go through a, uh, of they gen, one generation would go through a uh, age of, of violence and crime before yeah. they assimilate uh, out of it and go. Uh, you know, and, and becoming uh in, to society and become legit, right? And I, I this morning, my belief, <laughs> I'm gonna say I think that that was our generation. Yeah. It was that that gap. could you look at now, you know, I mean. There's 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 not much Vietnamese gang, you know I mean There's not much Vietnamese violence like the way it was in the nineties, you know I me. Mean? Uh, so so I, that's I I just believe that we, we was within our It would just happened to be our generation that we became. So these guys like I mean, I won't say we right, but guys like myself was really active in, uh, you know what I mean in that yeah in that in that what, destructive, uh, war destructive yeah. world. So
0: accurate with that. First generation um, coming over to the United States. You know, you don't need you do right? We're not afraid, or you know, that generation of men, we're not afraid of. I, what's the worst that can happen to you at this point you're there's so much pain from inside your family and many times a lot of the kids came as uh, refugee kids without their mom and dad mm-hmm. and cousins who came without their mom and dad and th- they could have easily gone down that route as well and uh you know it's lonely and painful to to kind of experience life in in america as a teenage boy in the 80s and, and 90s and as a vietnamese american once uh you got sort of like your own crew together, graduated, it gravitated to much bigger uh, organizations, um, like the Black Dragon, right? Um, You talk a little bit about your experience from, you know, going from minor leagues to major leagues
1: to doing that time, right, especially in Singapore Valley, you know, me and there was there was two different kind of form of gang. Remember, You, you got the street gangs, right? then you got your organized crime uh, you know, your gang. And the Black Dragon and the most of the crowd, the gang in LA, right, in Los Angeles, was more organized crime, right, from, uh, from the watching Black Dragon, you know I mean? Uh, Bamboo, Red Door, you know. Uh, but this wave, but this wave of, of, of street gangs, like, you know what I mean, like, uh, you know, like the Bee, Santa Boys, you know what I mean? Uh, and the NIP family, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, uh the Tomo boy, right? Uh, NIP 14. So, 14, it's, yeah. a, it's a whole different element of uh, of gang that I think the um, uh, the organized crime, fam- the organized uh, gang wasn't equipped to uh, to deal with. And they started recruiting, and this, like I said, this is only my opinion from hindsight, like that, right? They start recruiting, and with me. Uh, by that time, I was have been in the juvenile detention, come in and out. You know, I mean, looking, you know, with my, like I said, my Ben Davis, my Dickies, my Nike Cortez, my shaved head, right, white T-shirt. I Made mean, the whole night, y'all, what a street gang gangbanger should look like. Uh, and should, and the the black dragon, they recruited me. Yeah, they recruited me. Uh, you know, knowing. Uh, knew who, 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 who i was who you know who i am you know who i was right and so what i have done the street and stuff like that they, they recruited me and that time i will always have like a little crew already so to them that's just a plus like they recruited me therefore i already have another crew so they, ha- they just have another uh collective uh guys that's actually working for them now
0: it's like you are the head of your little thing and then they recruit you and do you have to sit and talk to your little homies be like yo hey we just got recruited the black track or it's just absorbed in and everybody just plays absorbed the- in,
1: you know use absorb in like i want to think I, I don't want i don't want because i am always been this way that i never consider myself ahead of my crew anything yeah you know like i've I never put myself in that position but i i would say that within my, my crew i have influence yeah. you know what i mean so but- uh pretty much uh, yeah. So, uh, with that, like, once they recruited me, they pretty much recruited my crew. But are you still friends with many of the kids
0: that you grew up at the time?
1: I'm still a friend with, uh, at least a at least few of them. You wow. know, I mean, yeah, I'm still friend with a few of them. Uh, you know, I mean, I, um, you know, I, I got the guys that still to this day, you know, uh, active, <laughs> you know, I tried to, uh, You know, kind of reinforce, you know, like talk to them about, you know, means like this lifestyle game. Oh, let them know, you know, I mean, like, but to them, they were so ingrained to that belief, that lifestyle, excuse me, that I understand that it's difficult to get out, you know, and so, but that's, that don't deter me of of continue to support them, like, hey, you can do it, you know, I mean, and, and by seeing me myself, you know, by, I'm hoping that by seeing me uh have made that transition, have done what done and know who I was before and who I am today, that they know they they believe in themselves that they can to make that transition and get out of the game.
0: Yeah. You know, I I would love to uh get into the, you know, the action that landed you in prison and all that, but I I do want to get more into the actual transition inside of prison but i do, would you like to share uh like how you got there uh, what landed you there or would you like to to sort of skim over that i mean we know you did life and life without parole but you know going through that whole process of of getting convicted and everything and what led up to that uh is that something you're open to share
1: yeah i believe you know being I mean, uh i believe share my truth This you know I mean i believe not to, uh taking accountability and responsibility for what I have done. I believe in the truth. I believe in accountability and responsibility. And if you can't speak it, then, you know what I mean? at least for myself. If I can't speak my truth, if, you know what I mean? Then I'm not really taking accountable for what I've done. You know what I mean? I, I was not a good man, you know what I mean? Uh, I was a monster. And a monster that, uh, you know, that, that needed to be caged and taxed. and tag tag, like they did, you know, they they locked me up. They gave me a number because I know John deserved my name, Tin Win for all the stuff I've done. Uh, So during the time, during that time, I, uh, because of my greed and my pride, um, I took a, I went rob I went to rob Mrs. Duncan Stunkle- Walker. Uh, he was a jeweler, and we we plotted to rob him. His, uh, and during the robbery, he he did what every man would have done, or anyone done, is protect his property. And doing that. Uh, doing that the robbery as he was protecting his property. I shot and killed a man. I shot and killed Mr. Mr. Stankovokovic. I took I took away I took away his life. Took away his future with his kid. I took away a father, a brother, a father of three beautiful daughters. There's no way I could, there's no word that I could ever convey or say to you or say to anybody that my remorse for what I've done. You know, it just works. So my mission in life now, is to make amends, to do what I need to do to serve my community and hope that one day when I see Mrs. Stonkel will welcome back in heaven, aware of where would I be that, that he may forgive me for what I've done. I just want to talk want him to know his daughter to know, his fans Nola. how sorry I am. I wish I wish I had never done it. I wish I could change it. Yeah. Sometimes a part of me just, just want to go back to prison. I just finished my life without sentence so that's how i landed in prison uh, with a sentence of life without the positive parole
0: when when the judge handed you that conviction did you process that information the same way that you did today which is the no. remorse, the, the sorrow. No, no, how no. You I was process it at the time.
1: At that time, at, at that time, I was still, I was still Tin Hacklum. You know what I mean? Uh, what it mean is Tin BD, Tin Black Dragon, right? I was still Tin hacklong So my mentality was all about my gang. You know what I mean? And how I got it. It was more than all about the gang. It was more all about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? That I was Tin Hacklum. And I'm gonna, you know, I mean that there's all I'm gonna to keep to that code. you know, I mean like you're gonna ride or you're gonna die. And and in the in the Vietnamese, it was like neither you're gonna going be six, you know, not Vietnamese, but neither be, be Joe, right? Or Lysa Porsche. So one way then, and and that was our mentality back then. That was my mentality back then. So I didn't have that remorse. I didn't have that regret. You know what I mean? I I carry myself as is. like, OK, I'm doing life. This is what I expected, you know what I mean? I was either going to be buried, I was going to drive a Porsche, or I was, he was going to be in prison. And so I'm in prison, and I embraced it. So, yeah, I, I remember walking back to shackle, and guys that's in in the county with me was like, "So what happened? What what happened?" And I was laughing at them. I was like, "It's my and I sing that song. Oh, it's my birthday, and I cry. If I want to, and I start laughing. Damn, because I didn't care. I didn't." You know, I, uh, I have no empathy, no sympathy for anybody that at that moment, like
0: how, how do you think you develop the sympathy and the empathy after those years?
1: I think maturity, a big part of it, you know, I think maturity a big part of it. Uh, but even then, right? I didn't. Uh, even then, I was so ingrained into the belief that I had, I had of, of representing the Vietnamese. You know, I mean, because that's what prison about. When you get to prison, you are divided by four race. You know, I mean, you can the black, uh, the African American, the Spanish, the white, and the Asian, and the others because of others. Now, each race, <coughs> sorry. Each, each race within them have their own uh, division. You know, with mean, the Blacks got the Bloods, the Crips, Bay Area, you know, Hoover, uh, stuff like that. Uh, the Hispanic, you got your, you know, I mean, your, of course, your son Hispanic, Northern Hispanic, the Bulldog, the Faisano. So the whites, Got the wig regular word the asian brother the you know the you know the the biker that you got your you know uh, uh skinhead and your brotherhood and stuff like that so with the Asian you got your a divide between nations you got your Samoan your Filipino your Asian I mean your Chinese I mean your Cambodians Laos and uh, your Vietnamese and of course during that time the Vietnamese always the biggest car
0: hmm.
1: During the '90s and during that time, we always have a big car. And even with that, you know, what I mean, I once you into that kind of environment, I I I was full fledged into yeah. representing the Vietnamese car, you know, what I mean, and and that was my whole mentality. That's what I believed it in and ingrained in. And even when I was, even as a mature, I was so ingrained in that belief that it was difficult for me to get out. I think how did I? I began to develop, uh, you know, I mean, uh, empathy and sympathy. <laughs> My first factor is religion. Uh, I believe in God. I uh, I found Christ, you know, I me, mean? and uh, I remember making an effort. I told myself, no matter after seven days, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take one hour off of my seven days of of sinful, you know, committing sin, and we'll take one day off to sit in church, you know, what I mean, to give to God. And there's some day that I will go to church high, you know, what I mean, high on 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 meth. And this in prison, we still get drugs and there, stuff. So right. High on meth or drunk. But I would still sit there in the back of the seat, uh, giving that out to God. And religion have helped me find my humanity. But education, high education have helped me to question, helped me to question all the, the belief that was ingrained in me since I was a kid. Is you know the by 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 the older you know the older cat the OG you know what I mean uh, it's us against them we are win we are hack you know what I mean uh we always come to fight we 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 amount to nobody you know what I mean and and that's you know so the only thing we have is um pride and honor and we have to keep that you know so uh you know it's uh high education allowed me to like uh question these belief hmm. yeah they. <laughs> It allowed me to open my mind.
0: What prompted the education? What made you drive you to get a higher education?
1: I was the Mac for the Asian on that yard. Uh, and Mac is a and Mac is a is a you call it men a men advisory council, and what it, what it is right? What it is is a group of men that represent their people, right? The white the white will have the white Mac, uh, the black will have the black Mac, and uh, the uh, or oh, they have the Asian Mac, or, or one mag and the Hispanic have a mag, right? One, that, that one individual will represent the collective of, of the whole yard. And the administrative, which the officer would use that to to, to convey a uh, message that they want to give it to the general population. So they can't just go around and tell everybody, they just tell us, right? And then we go tell our people.
0: Wait, how did you and get that?
1: that was more, how did you get that efficient? position? Um, my vote. You know, I mean, uh, my 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 peers, the Vietnamese, the uh, the, the Cambodian, the the uh, U.S.O. the others, uh, they vote me in. They vote me in as as a, as a representative of the, uh, I Mac, and from there, uh, I was uh, I move up to uh, became a executive body, of uh, of the Mac uh, Minister, uh, uh, of the Mac Council, right? So, there's politics to that. The reason why is that there's four positions. You got president, uh, you got chairman, vice chairman, uh treasury, and, uh, and secretary, right? Right. And I think uh parliamentarian and sergeant bomb. There's actually five positions. Wow. So the 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 biggest the one with the biggest population would take two positions, right? And normally that needs need, uh, the chairman, uh, the uh, the chairman, right? and the vice chair will go to the second uh, biggest population, whatever it be, if, you know, and then, then you got, the of course the third and the fourth and, uh, and the last seat go to the biggest, you know, uh, population, right? So the bigger public got two. So like you say, the Hispanic, they got the, the majority, they got the biggest population. They will have the chairman and one the lower seat, right? The Blacks will have the, uh, the, the the African men will have the vice chairman, the white will have uh, the, Commentary and the uh, Asian will have a uh, uh, sergeant of bomb, right? So that's that's how we divide up so that everybody will be represented to uh, of their own race at the wardens meeting, you know, uh, at the wardens meeting or at the captain meeting. So you know, there's th- no race will be left out. So I was in the executive body, right? And I was a sergeant of bomb, and I, I walked in and. Um, this guy, his name, uh, I don't wanna name him, right? I'm um, going call his nickname, okay? Uh, his name is Horst. He, a former Aaron Brotherhood, uh, you know, he's a former AB and he was studying a textbook. And I came in, I walked in, I go, hey, you know, what, what you doing? And he looked at me and he go, oh, this is not for you. I like, it's not for me, exactly, right? He go, yeah, it's not for you, you know. And I go, what you mean by that? And he go, and he go, exactly what i minton. This is not for you. So I like, okay, cool. And then from then on, I had to go investigate what we're doing, all right. And I look at the textbook, and so I find out he was studying college courses. So I said to myself, what you say? I'm not smart enough, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm making my mission right to uh, to go back to college.
0: Okay, oh, and I want stop hey, hey. you. When Horst said that to you, did you did you think that he was saying that to fuck with you or to say that it could have been an inspirational thing? Like, I'm gonna challenge you. Like, it's not for you. No, that, no, it was We're it was plain. Of, it was believed that you are a lower. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. we also, you know like you you are not you don't have the qualification. Right. The education or the intelligence, you know, to uh, to do this, you know, what I mean? to do this. Right. It's just not for you. And that was a message I clearly got. If you remember the, back then, racial line was clearly divided. It was really clearly divided. And so. So as, that, as an
0: A.B., he probably thought he was really <laughs> superior and he probably thought I'm here to understand
1: most, this. Yeah. Most definitely yeah the man i know today right the man i know today is totally not the man that I first met he inclusive you know what mm-hmm. i mean he's educated he he fight for uh he fight for uh, uh for the minority he fight what he he fight that yeah he fight for his peers fight for the minority he, you know he's he's to me i he's when I looked at him, he—I would, I, I would say that he's one of my mentors. You know what I mean? And this, all this happened in 2004. Okay. Right. And the is man it, I know today is a totally different person. Is he still in? No. He—he's out. I met him again last week. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And we just gave each other a big old hug, and and, and that we like—that
0: was the first time you met. Again outside since since he got out first time since you are since both he out. got out
1: yeah, so we both got out and uh we just laugh and we' like we remember Dan and I go yeah we remember Dan <laughs> yeah
0: what a beautiful story tin what a what an absolutely gorgeous story about how humanity unfolds itself in just weird and mysterious ways
1: yeah. It is uh two opposite side, you know, what I mean to, to different mentality and how, uh, underneath all the masks that we both put on, it is humanity. Yeah. Love this love for humanity, this love for, uh, brotherhood sisterhood for one another. So
0: once you walk away from that encounter with horse you start to look into books and how long did it take to get into it
1: it it uh it took me a while right it took me a while but I ended up able to uh, uh got myself to a point where I was able to uh apply to uh, coastline coastline community College and uh I was like you know uh I'm just gonna take like one class this is how I feel but uh if that really we're good. If I were good and uh, you see, I want to bring back to to this whole the, the, the value of this education, right? I grew up, you know, with with my dad constantly pounding my head that I, I was dumber than a cow. You know, by the night, new yeah, you can ball, you're new eagon ball, you Growing up, everything I do, my new ball, you're yeah. my new con ball, right? And he even explained to me one time. And he go, "Why did I call you noon ball?" He go, ball is only one that will uh, get, uh, you know, go to that slaughter." You know what I mean? And like, do 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 do, you know, like go to that slaughter without any worry and care of work. So he always contacted to me, noon ball. So I, and so I always thought that I was never smart enough. I was never smart enough. Like school was not for me. You know what I mean? You know, let's let's go with my hand, right? And so for me to like find, like, you know, embrace that, like, you know, I'm gonna do this. <sighs> it was a huge thing, like, don't scare, you know, I was like, like so insecure about it, you know, like, why if I fail, why the that was right? You know, I mean, that I am stupid, this is not for me and stuff like that. But I took that one course and why, why other guys, read it once or they say they read it once and they went and took and had a fine cut you know I get a good grade in the quiz or the test I have to read it twice sometimes three times to understand mm. but I got it through and by the end of the semester I had an A on it and I never look back yeah I never that, looked back then
0: that's like that gambler's thing right you yes you that big win
1: uh-huh. and,
0: and and you you stay with the course it, it, it gives you this certain endorphin rush. To follow through.
1: Yeah, and you know, and, and I never look back and you're right, like that like the the, the, the theory that you just said, you know, and uh you know, and uh so so education to me have allowed me to open my mind, open my narrow way of thinking, you know, with all the belief that would instill me since I was young, you know, through whether for my father or uh for my father constantly telling me how dumb I was or, uh, or from, uh, you know, guys that tell me that it's us against them. You know what I mean? That, you know I mean? You, if you want to be a true hacklow or true good Vietnamese, you got to do this, that. So from all that, I was able to question all that belief and say, you know what, you know, let me think about this real quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe I, I am a good person, right? Maybe I can make good choices. You know what I mean? Maybe I am smart. Like I, you know, that uh, I'm capable of doing the right thing. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if you ever uh, watch, uh, there's a show, there's a documentary called Toe Tag Parole. Toe Tag Parole. what I mean is, it talk about life without sentence. What I mean is that the only way you parole for my life without a sentence is in a body bag with a toe tag on it, right? So, Damn. in the HBO documentary, you will see me. And I was I was the last one that 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 uh, the last one speaking, and I still remember clearly that 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 time when I when I was speaking uh, w- saying what I said, and I remember telling telling the reporter is that I was always going to be bad. This you know meaning I was mean, telling them, like if you give me a hundred choices of good choices and one bad choice, I'm gonna choose the bad choices because that's who I am because I. Be- didn't believe in redemption. I didn't believe that I was capable of goodness. You know what I mean? And then I remember telling that maybe when I died then I might come back as a good person. Fast forward to who I am today, you know what I mean? And that's what education does for us. It's allowed to believe in ourselves. It's allowed us to question all the, uh, you know I mean, all the trauma that we went through, you know, all the abuse and the belief that, uh, you know, boy, don't cry, you know, what I mean, like walk it off, and you know, what I mean, that uh, believe belief that, you know, what I mean, that's us against them, you know, what I mean, that, uh, yeah, you know, that we have to do this, we have to do that in order to gain respect, you know, what I mean, I was able to like overcome that, like, you know what, let's, let's, let's think this through and broaden my mind a little bit and start accepting myself you know i mean and and start taking this mask off that i i i I put on and see my true self my core self.
0: i'm imagining that there are a few older guys in prison that are a few years ahead of you right in this sort of like this reform they've they're reading books and they're just different and uh they're there probably to help along other younger men How many of them are there like you? And did you become one of those guys that changed the people around you? Or did you just have to step back and just change yourself so you don't get found out by Dangem or, you know, the kids that were kind of looking up to you because you were, you know, this higher ranking person in prison?
1: So it was, um, you know, it, it it was difficult, right? So let me rephrase it. This high ranking, I, I never want to put myself in that kind of category, right? Uh, I believe that I was representing my people, and and do and uh, representing my uh, my uh, my the car my car, and so so with that come with status, you know I me mean, of course, right? And there was a big feel. You know, there was a big uh, fear that uh, that I can be harmed, you know, I me mean? because always gonna be somebody, you know, I me, mean? oh, like he trying to change his life around. Here's my here's my opportunity to do what needs to be done to get my status, right? You know, if I could take 10 out, therefore I'm gonna get go up the rank and, and you know get this respect, you know, what I mean this this uh you know, like yeah, yeah, you know, he just took 10 out, or something like that, right? And now it's, that's part of his power struggle within prison, right? There's always that fear. My, my fear wasn't wasn't that about that as much. My fear was more about me letting all that go. If I, if, if I could say that. You know, if, you know I you know, I was I was more worried about that. That like who will I be if I let all the prison politics go, if I let the gang go. If I let, let the you know the criminality and and the respect that I have, you know me go, that go along with the with, with those uh, destructive elements, who would I be? To walk out this comfort zone, you know me and challenge myself. I was more scared of that. Uh, I was thankful that being on a yard. That a lot of people was trying to change their life, which is, you know, I me, mean? uh, like Lancaster AO was one of those kind of yard where there's a lot of there was more guys trying to change their life than there was active gang member.
0: Why that yard? Why did it have that attribute of having more guys trying to change? What What is the? If it's something to do with management, I, I'm I'm thinking- okay. So
1: let's let's, let's I'm going to explain that. Okay, so I'm glad you asked that. Right, and I think you know. I mean, I'm really glad you had that. Okay, so AER, AER, uh, Lancaster AER, was started with a concept and started by uh, by uh, by prisoner. You know, I mean, by prisoner that no longer wanted to be associated with gang and violence, and and you know, I mean, so they 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 pitch, you know, to to this to the uh, administrative if we can have this kind of yard, you know, I mean, it would it will, will, it will reduce violence wow. and, and, and these are the criteria for you to be on this yard. Right. Uh, you got to be 35 and older. You have to be, yeah, you know, God, one uh, disciplinary free for five years. You know I mean? You can't be no more. You cannot be involved in gang. You cannot use drugs and the whole night yard. Right. Those are the requirements. I was lucky. I was young. And, and I, I ha- had some dictionary and stuff like that, but I, I was, there was this, I guess maybe because I was in these, I was in my 30, you know, early thirty. I was young, uh, whatever it is. I was just, the captain took a lightning on me and he was like, you know, I'm gonna take a chance on this kid and I'm gonna let him stay in this uh, this yard. And because he did that, I was able to, uh, I was on a yard that was able to cultivate my transformation. But my, but you have to understand. Even then, that I I, I didn't just transform right away because I was still a, I was still doing what I was still doing what I did until I was almost in my forties. Wow. So there was this ten years gap of me smuggling under the radar and 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 and, and pushing prison politics, pushing gang, you know, regulating, you know, I mean uh, bringing drugs in, you know, I mean uh. To you know get fighting for shower fighting for yards fighting for table and phone so even though this yard was uh a concept from the inmate that it's going to be uh gang-free drug-free there's still and criminal elements to it under it it's it just not like those other yards but they're still there so but that being said, because there are people or guys men that is already working on the transformation that been down for 25 years and so they were able to mentor me and nurture me on the road mm-hmm. like Tim, you got potential and you know this yeah. only could not come from the the Vietnamese or the Asian guard i mean this came from the uh you know from the whites the the, the brothers you know me and like spain you know guys the older guy would come up and go you know like hey, you know, I know we're not the same race and stuff like that, but hey, you got potential, Tim. You got potential. And so I was able to, uh, you know, as they nudged me along that line, I slowly, uh, how I say, file the chain that all hold me back from gang, drugs, you know, criminality, anger, fear. I, you know, I slowly find all those chains out and work for you, which uh, and,
0: and i'm i'm so grateful that you did so happy that you were part of this open society and you are part of the the tapestry of what is the vietnamese american society today and i i am proud of you and i'm proud of the reform and and all of the changes that you've gone through i just want to let you know that that thank you sitting where i sit Meeting and talking to so many wonderful Vietnamese people around the world, that you are uh, an example of um, a beautiful humanity,
1: beautiful. And you know, thank you for that. Yeah, I wanted to add something, and you, 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 to to answer your last question, was I able to? uh, uh, What my transformation was. Did it affect other young Vietnamese? And I have two proud moments since I got out. And of course, that's a lot, right? But one of my proud moments is my little nephew. Uh, he, his cousin, was also my other nephew. Passed away, doing, uh, you know, he he passed away. And so my sister will always ask my. Not the pass away nephew, but the one that Doug, you know, he was you. ask, you know, your, cu- your cousin and your best friend just passed away. How do you feel? How do you feel? He was all brushed up. I'm like, okay, mom. I'm okay. And I remember I had a phone call for him, which if I was in prison, I would never able to because we're not allowed to have phone. <laughs> right. So I he called me and I remember he was all shaking up and he was trying so hard to hold on. And and he had all these drugs right and he 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 wanted to he he, he wanted to use you know and i was telling him like and but he couldn't cry you know he was like he was telling me like uh you know Brand, you know brandon just passed away my you know i, mean, he, I love him and 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 he passed away how can you just leave me you know something like that and he was so angry and 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 i don't know what to do Unc. i don't know what to do and i just told him like grief hmm. i told him I told him grief, son, you know, I told him like, you know what I mean? Uh, I go, don't buy into that belief that men don't cry. You know, don't buy into that belief that, that this toxic masculinity culture have taught us that we don't that we don't cry. And I told him like, you respect me and you know me, I'm probably one of the, you know, crazy guy <laughs> in our family, right? You know what I mean? A stand up man, right? And he said, yes, uncle, right? And I go, I cry, you know, I mean, when your, when your grandpa passed away, I up. when your uncle passed away, I up. it's okay to cry. So I told him it's okay to cry. So he broke down and I remember he broke down, broke down. Then when he's done with it, so I was able to tell him like, what you going to do with the drugs? He almost threw it away. I go, good. <laughs> mm. You know, it's so, um. And now he's doing now he's a good kid. Now, I, I don't say he's a perfect kid, but he's still against the issue, but he's uh, you know what I mean? I, that's one of my private moments. Mm. My second private moment is to, to answer your question. Is uh there's this guy named Wook. He he was arrested when he was 18 from the city of Orange County. He had life without a positive parole. And last week, last two weeks, I was up in Sacramento fighting uh uh lobbying. Uh, kind of council uh, assembly person for a bill to pass Senate Bill 300. And I have an opportunity to talk to uh, the governor uh, team in commutation. And I remember on the drive back, we, me, and all the guy uh, and all the people that was rallying up there you know, it was four of us, but you know, to our call, right? And we'll call out. And I told him, like, he go, What you doing? I told him, Hey, you know, uh, we're up in the rally. and he broke down and cried and he said, he'd say, thank you, right? You know, And tell everybody in the, in the call, thank you for not forgetting about us. You know what I mean? I go, I know we do, we did horrible things, but thank you for remembering us. And, you know, he, You know, I mean, he just—he told me that uh, I don't know. He, he, know, he don't know me. He went to the yard. And he heard of me, and so he said, "I don't know you, then but but you left a footprint for us guys to follow." Shit. And I think that was one of my, yeah. you know, uh, it's a dope moment. Dope moment. Yeah, I love to say it. it's a dope moment. You know, and. uh yeah, to answer that question, you know, it is. Uh, I was able to give uh, give back to the my peers, something for them, a pathway for them to follow.
0: How did you get out of life without parole?
1: So I went in with the. so I have before my crime, I committed a, a crime before death. So I have two crimes, right? So I knew it was very difficult for me to uh uh to get a computation, right? But I just and but then by that time already, I've already changed my life. You know what I mean? By the time the Governor Brown became a governor and started community center, my transformation was always already in in, in that. You know, in that direction, I was very heading toward that direction. I was uh, a member of Power for Life. Uh, Power for Life is an organization that, that they they uh, they would take uh, uh, shelter dog that's going to be utilized and and pair them up with a pr- with the with the prisoner, with, you know me uh, with the uh, inmate or uh, how would they say the incarcerated person? Mm-hmm. I think that's the better term that people want to use now, yeah. right? And and, and and paid off to train the dogs to become uh, more adoptable. So that's Powerful Life. I became part of Powerful Life and I became one of the uh, uh, service dog trainer where I trained uh, shelter dog become service dog for them with PTSD. Uh, I went back to college, to Cal State LA where Cal State started the first pilot program, in t- first bachelor program in, t- in teaching in the state of California. And I was part of that. You know, I mean, I, uh, I, I changed my life around to the point where I worked it for the watch commander, the social warden. You know, I mean, and and you know, doing, uh, doing their paperwork, typing up their reports, and you know, I, I was their clerk. You know, and and. That was unheard of, kind of like the guy in my position back in the day, the gang member would never think of working for the <laughs> right, for the man, right? <laughs> but you know, here I am, right? And uh, and I think uh, that all that triggered uh a recognition that uh that uh that I was uh you know that I was no longer the man I was. And so the ward herself initiated. she, uh, we was at one of the powerful life graduation where we passed our service document to the veteran with PTSD, and she walked up to go, She go, "The uh, win, have you filed your commutation?" And I go, "What for, right?" And I go, "I got two cram. You know, it's it gonna go to the, uh, uh, the yeah, it's gonna go to the inbound, it's going to capital supreme court before it not go to the governor." And she just like, "No," she go. She looked at me. She go, "Just file." So I go, "Cool." If the warden say fired, you know, it just throw a Hail Mary. So I, I found my competition. And with that triggering event of, you know, she wrote me a a, a, recommendation, a, a recommendation letter. The social warden wrote me a, recommendation letter, a letter, captain, lieutenant, you know, officer, uh, you know, I mean, uh, staff, professor, you know, I mean, all these people support me. Uh, uh, start writing recommendation letter for my commentation. And I realized, you know, doing those of transformation working for this officer is that they are too human. Like yeah. Us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that we maybe have different philosophy in life, different thinking or stuff like that. But, you know, what I mean, they, uh, you know, we we can be friends. And I think a lot of this officer and lieutenants and even warden became really good friend of mine, supporter. One of the social warden went to my graduation when I graduated Cal State LA. You know, I mean, she's my mentor, you know, she's my friends, you know, so uh, yeah, she was at this graduation uh, when I graduated like a year ago.
0: My so, uh... it's incredible! it's incredible. Uh, before I get to sort of, how did your family feel when you got the word and all that? What about the family, the three sisters that were on the outside? Did they? Was there any sort of pushback, or did they get the news? I mean, how did that all
1: like go down? So at the <laughs> parole hearing you know, Ms. Uh, about the big family so well. And I remember I wasn't supposed to look at them. They were supposed to sit behind me. And I remember as soon as I hear their voice, I couldn't stop crying. And I came this close of pulling my parole. You know, uh, my attorney, he was, I think, from his experience of going with, you know, I represent a lot of pro e uh, uh go uh, I mean defending at the pro hearing. And I think he could I think he felt that and he and when we grabbed my knees, right? He, I grabbed my knees to give me a shake like, you know, I mean, don't do it, you know, just hold on to see what happened.
0: Wait, 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 you, you were gonna, you're breaking down to cry. And I was gonna pull my parole. Oh, you wait,
1: you, why would you, why, why would you do that? that that's a big part of me though. don't think I deserve to be here.
0: Got it. Got it. So he's saying what you're saying is the lawyer has experienced that a lot of parolees do that. They they pull their own paroles.
1: I don't know he has experience. I just know that I, I'm I'm assuming that he he have that he was into intuitive to that Got because it. at that moment he he grabbed my uh, my foot on uh, my knee, right, and give it a squeeze, and and mind you, okay, because during that moment when he did that, right, the family member did ask me. They go, if you really are remorse, Tim, if you really are remorse what you've done, pull your parole. And he t- they t- they, t- they go, then come back in three years and we will support you for your for your parole. And I was going, and I came, I was going to pull it. I, w- I came real close. I, when he said that, I was going, I'm going to pull it, you know what I mean? And, you know, when I come back in three years or whatever, I don't care no more, I, I, I have this, I have this sense, like, like, maybe maybe I should do my life out in prison. Maybe maybe it's the right thing to do. You know. uh, So. But um, my attorney at that moment, he he grabbed my knee right away Mm -hmm. and I was able to like, okay, you know, kind of like came back a little bit and and just let the process go, let the just let the process play out. And so uh, the commission commissioner, uh, they find me that I was no longer a threat to society. Uh, Why the commissioner even think that I was going to be the asset to society? So they uh, they recommend me for uh, they granted my uh, suitability for parole. So when
0: when the family says, you know what. Uh- If you really are remorseful pull your parole uh and we will get back to you in three years who is the one who jumps up and says no 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 no, we're not going to do that i mean he's remorseful uh we're going to go through with the parole and then how does the other side react to it like the family
1: well no no one jumped up and said that you know when when when, um uh when the family members say that when the family member said that they uh, they were pleading to me. They, they, I, want, I don't want to say they're pleading to me. They were, they were saying, hey, if you are true remorse, pull your parole, right? So at that moment, you know, at that moment, I wanted to pull my parole. I wanted to just get up and go, you know, I'm going to grant your wish. I'm going to pull my parole, hmm. right? My my attorney was the one that I think he recognized that he grabbed my leg to to calm me down, to kind of stop me before I can make that because all I have to do is get up and go, you know what, uh, Commissioner, uh, I'm going to pull my parole, right? I'm going to pull my parole, and I come back in three years. If I would have done that, then the, the hearing would be over. You know what I mean? I come back three years, whatnot, whatever, right? Uh, and see you then, right? Uh, but because I didn't, you know, because my attorney, when he grabbed my leg, he, you know, in, in a way, he, in a way, what he's, telling me when he, that uh, when he, when he touched me is, it's like, don't do anything. You know, don't, yeah. Don't put your parole. I mean, like it's it just like one, the silence communication, but I say, yeah, don't do anything. Just, you know I mean? Let, you know, let this hearing play out. So it's not, it's not what anybody, it's, nobody got up and said that. It just was a communication between me and my attorney. Proud of-
0: Mm-hmm. And, and so from that point, from that hearing to the time that you were let
1: out, how long did that take? Uh, after the hearing, it took six months. Right. And then, I, uh, my hearing was in July. Uh, I was found suitable. I was released in December 4th, December 4th, uh, 2019. Yeah. December 4th to that. And then ICE picked me up, so I went to ICE for ten months. Of which I want to mention that the Vision Act was shut down last night. Part of the Vision Act is put protect, it' protected guys that come the guys men and women that's coming out from prison that have a uh, that have a uh, ice hole, right? For for the state prison to not to notify ICE, you know what I mean. To come pick them up. Right. So if ICE want them, ICE go themselves. You know what I mean. So therefore, ending that what we call the double punishment, because the the the, the person of, of where, the person that's uh, paroling, he or, he or she already have done the, the attack, have already granted a, a suitability, and now when ICE pick them up, right, they again get detained, right, and 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 bite the ICE case inside. ICE. Themselves would say that we're just detaining you, you're actually a free person. But really, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you, if, you know, how, I mean, what is your definition of being free, right? You know, it, you know. So, I would, I, I, am telling the ICE officer the same thing. If I would lock you up, right? If we would lock you up right now, right, and say that hey, we're just detaining you, but you're actually a free person, right? You know what I mean? Would you does consider make, yourself being free? Doesn't make sense. Right? That don't make sense. So the Vision Act, Division Act, it's about ending that double punishment.
0: Right. The the threat of you being deported hasn't gone away, right?
1: It's is it still lingering? It's still lingering. It's still lingering over my head. It will always linger in my head until I until I get a pardon. Uh I am currently trying to get a working on my application for getting a pardon. I'm trying to get support of uh, the community and uh and uh organization you know, that's hoping support for my pardon. Excuse me. So hopefully that you know I mean that the, the governor will pardon me and once I get pardoned then I'm able to file my green card again. But for the, uh but until then, that will always linger over me. But what does it take to get a pardon? Whew. <laughs> uh I don't know. You know, this this you know, it's just it's it's, it's it's like take getting the commentation. This is uh this is my new uh I think new challenge in life, you know, I meaning this is what I have to do. And uh I don't I don't know what the governor office is looking for to pardon people. Uh but rehabilitating transformation is a huge thing. And I'm gonna continue to do that. Uh I'm gonna continue to uh be of service to my community. You know, I mean uh, I'm involved with Vit Rice, uh OC uh Orange County Justice Fund. Uh I still volunteer once in a while, hopefully more at Call for Life. You know, I mean anywhere that I think I'm able to uh uh give back to my community. And I, I, I think I if I continue to do that, you know, I mean have people have uh, people support me, then maybe the governor might uh you know, finger crossed, give me a pardon.
0: Yeah, and and that's an indefinite thing, right? Like you just you just wait. There's no sort of like process. Like okay, you apply now, you get it in three years.
1: <laughs> that's indefinite. It's 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 at it's at at the discretion of the governor, the sitting governor.
0: I do have a, a lot of appreciation for uh, anyone who is open to share their stories publicly the way you've I, done. And I last... can't help but keep thinking about. The three daughters that was you know that that's left behind and i'm sure that your remorse and, and everything that you feel um goes out to you know the sympathy the empathy goes out to these daughters uh, was there any sort of reaction after they found out that you were like living outside now
1: um i was in the tank i was in the tank when 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 uh when there was informed i was uh suitable parole so i i, I that must be i know it's devastating for them and i don't know how and i just i, I mean how can you how, how can yeah. i there's no way i mean there's i wish that Think could be different. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one of the daughters, and I believe that's the youngest one. And she told me, doing the, the hearing. You know that the man that you took away, the father that you took away from me. He was willing to try across a war zone to take me to a doctor. That's what you took away from me, Tim.
0: When you were finally out and you were around your family, what was their reaction and what was your reaction?
1: So when I got released, you know after twenty three years I mean, uh, I was ecstatic. Uh, you know, uh, living in prison, every day you're thinking that uh, you're gonna die in prison. And part of you was, I'm not gonna lie, say that, you know, that uh, that there's no part of me wish to go home, but you know, in uh, but part of me did wanted to like just do all my time and accept my life without with the possible parole, and but I always always have that little hope. Like maybe maybe one day I could go home. Maybe somehow, somewhat, you know, maybe I could uh, be forgiving and and maybe one day I could forgive myself. But uh, when I came home, gosh, it was. And I said it with all respect to Ms. Stonkovic's family, his daughter. It was, uh, it was beautiful, you know, to breathe, to walk out the gate of freedom, to walk, to breathe the freedom airs. You know what I mean? Uh, To hear you know, to feel that breeze. You know, it's it's just I can't describe it. It's the same air. It's the same breeze, and it's separated by one gate, one door. But yet, it's two different, two different feeling, <laughs> two different way of feeling it, of taking it in. My family. And when I remember got to my knee, I was crying. My mom, my, my sister, both of my sister came over and hugged me. You know, they were crying. They couldn't believe that I was out. Um, I still catch my mom at the corner of the eye watching me. Mm. She would sit there in the chair, you know, a little chair. And she would sit there watching me. You know, and I was catching the corner of my eye. And wherever I go, she would watch me. And you know, I, I think that's a wish that I, I will be home. And I'm thankful and I'm blessed that, uh, you know, that God gave, grant her that wish and so pray that her son came home.
0: I am not caught up with the emotions you must feel for the family, for the other family and i apologize for the insensitivity this is something that you know you can't train for this kind of this session you know this talk until the the real real life it unfolds and we're on you know we're talking to each other and now i'm understanding the gravity of how you feel about the other family um because in wanting to shift gears for me in the last question it was sort of my my um my insecurity to stay on such heavy emotions and responsibility for what the family is like feeling so i i think i was panicking and to get out of that hard spot of 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 a conversation and in a podcast we can open things up like this where we can you know i can say god that 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 was so insensitive when i think about like just what happened and you know so i
1: apologize no no there's there's nothing to be about you know me it's uh you know, it's, like I said. I, I uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate your 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 really your awareness and understanding, and you know, uh, sensitive to uh, to the feeling and the needs of, of of the people you interview. So, you know, uh, to be genuine, you know, authentic, and and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think, and I want to thank you. Even this conversation we have right now is making me realize there's a lot of things that I need, I still need to process. You know, uh, I realized that I still have not forgiven myself. Yeah, and I think that's. I think that's the heart of it. I just don't know how to. You know how, how am I? How am I? How am I living my life and uh, being happy when Mr. Dunkelberg, the artist? How is that? Uh, how is that? Uh, how is I say? How do I overcome my life sentence? For what I have done. And Mrs. Dungewo, your daughter is still serving her life sentence. Yeah. I, I still don't know how to. Something I need
0: to think about. I need yeah. to work reflect on. I apologize. I don't make you feel uncomfortable. No, 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 no. This is um, you know, I, I think about that question. Um, the answer that you gave your nephew about grieving, and about um, it's okay to cry and it's okay to grieve, and I think when I think about um, the reaction that you have just had in the last few minutes about like, how do you forgive yourself? I think it's almost, I don't know if it's okay to even say or think like it's okay not to forgive yourself, right? Is it okay to not forgive yourself? Because if you can, God, embrace that, um, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Like if trying to forgive ourselves is so painful and so difficult, Is it all right to just accept the fact that we just can't forgive ourselves and kind of embrace that, that that's just part of our that pain that's going to just live with us for the rest of our lives and just accept it and be like, okay, I mean, it's easy for me to say that to you. Right. It's just but as I'm thinking about what you said to your nephew about grieving and, and allowing the pain to kind of pass through and cry it out and just keep it there and not fight it. Almost it's like fighting this whole idea of forgiving yourself is kind of an exercise in futility almost because, you know, what if it just never goes away? The forgiveness just doesn't happen. And I think that you're doing good for a community and you're doing good for society. I think that's like what I keep hearing from you. It's like you want to just keep doing and serving your community. And that probably will never be enough to you right you know um and in the same way i think you know trying to forgive yourself is probably never going to be enough you know your your nephew losing his other cousin is probably never going to go away as well and i think the other family will never recover these are things that just will never get whole again and i think um it's just living that uh that we have to just um grieve and not forgive ourselves sometimes and you know just be ex- i don't know i i i'm helping i'm like sweating thinking about this stuff too and y- you know um maybe it just doesn't get resolved and that's just the nature of uh of life maybe yeah
1: know, maybe, maybe it's I okay you 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 have something there you know i mean that i like i need to think about you know maybe it's okay not to forgive myself you know yeah uh, Yeah. just trust the process
0: yeah trust the process and if you don't forgive yourself maybe good things come and get you motivated you know encouraged to do other things as a result of that kind of like that that pain and that thorn that you know I think is fighting it is almost like fighting something so unnatural Mm -hmm. that uh you know the healing process just might be to accept it and damn like I can't forgive myself but I'll just go do more good things for society and I think that that will never for it's not equal to forgiving yourself but I don't know I'm, I'm sitting here processing it with you and I, I can relate how damn difficult that 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 might be you should be a
1: psychologist
0: thank you thank yeah. you um and you know yeah thank you i uh i do want to get to something that is related to this forgiveness and we talked about it on our previous call and and getting to know each other is this idea of a future uh to start a family like how does that sort of work in your mind and you know i asked your permission if we can talk about it so here we are Uh, i would like to know you know um what what are the challenges of that? I mean, for obvious reasons, there's many challenges, but things that you shared with me were not as obvious as to somebody on the outside, like me.
1: Oh, it's a, look, okay. Of course I'm going to you know, reiterate what I shared with you. Right. I think for myself, I can speak for everyone else that came out. Um, For myself, the challenges is, uh, you know how they say when you get locked up, your mentality, everything stops at that age, right? And I think same thing with the relationship. You know, I mean, uh, our, our experience, my experience in relationship stopped when I got locked up. So now coming out, meeting a meeting somebody in their 40s, right? While their relationship have mature or their experience in relationship mature. Uh, through the you know through the year of experience and stuff like that relationship they come in and out might still have not I still have that 20 year old a, you know mentality how relationship be and for me to catch to catch up uh there's a gap there so the only way to uh make something work you know what I mean uh my partner had to be understanding right or I have to find a way to, you know, I have definitely have to try to catch up. You know what I mean, and that's 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 the uh, I think uh, to find a partner to do so understanding, right? That his his the the way I was processing relationship still in my twenties was immature. To be understanding about that, to be patient with me, and with me allow myself uh, with me, you know what mean. Trying to speed the process of of, of uh, develop maturing my uh, relationship, uh, my my view of relationship so uh, that's a difficult part
0: and do you uh, have to seek like professional help to understand how to get out of that
1: i have not uh got, got seek professional help in that perspective mm-hmm. i have uh seek professional help in dealing with uh uh my depression you know what i mean uh that mm, may that I would say the relationship play a part right of, of my depression but it wasn't the it was an object that triggered it my my my, uh, uh, my, my trauma that triggered my depression and I think there's a lot of other elements that was thrown on me such as, changing my identity from one person to another you know we I mean? from uh uh from who i was in prison and who i am to, out here you know the The fact there's a lot of things that's difficult for most of us that come out that we cause a post uh, and cause we, uh, depression or trauma is that there's a, a lot of us um that also costs us to go back to our old way
0: yeah
1: it's the change in that identity you know what I mean? If we were somebody there, we we, we know what we are about. You know what I mean? Life was so simple. It was so easy. We got complacent, right? Uh, This is our safe, you know, our comfort zone. And now to come out, in our mind, we're thinking it's going to be heavens, right? It's going to be all that and a bag of chips. And then when you come out, life hits you. You know, when I mean, life hits you, you know you gotta pay bills now. You gotta do this. You gotta do that, and you're not equipped to it. You know, what I mean, it's it. Uh, you're out of your comfort zone. So there's a lot of us. I talked to a few of my friends, but me myself, there was a part of, part of there's a there's, t- there's a time that I missed it being in prison. I missed it being in prison. Why? Because that was my comfort zone. Yeah. I knew who I knew who I am. I knew what it's about. But now to be able to be out here, I was out of my elements. You know, what I mean, so uh, that was also an element that triggered my depression. Uh, you know, what I mean, I mean, there's uh, there's there's so many. You know, I mean, uh, I think, uh, but the fact that uh, you know, I mean. Uh, in prison you there was a structure, you got control. And out here you you don't have control of anything over your life. You know, what I mean so uh it, it was difficult. And I think all these elements uh combine, you know, what I mean uh yeah, it uh it do, it do 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 trigger have- the, the trauma that uh what happened to me. Yeah, it do, triggered do have- the trauma that what happened to me when I was a kid. Yeah that uh, brought me into this deep depression. And like I told you, you know, it brought to my knees. You know, I mean, I, uh, I was standing on a, funny thing, I was standing on this parking lot, you know, story up, and I was thinking about ending my life. And I, um, I had life without, and I never thought of ending my life. As of and the ironic thing that here I am, you know I me, mean? a free man and I want to end in my life. I was more free when I had life without than that last, I would say six months or nine months. Uh, you know, when I was out. That's you know, like it's just recently. And you know what I mean? I was more free than I was. I had this conscious Depression that could not escape, you know, and it was the worst kind of confinement, you know, I've ever felt. And so I think it helped. And and this is where Miss Taffney, Dr. Lim, came in. She's one of my mentors. She was the director of Cal State Oakland's program. And I love her because she constantly calls call each one of students up and asks how we're doing. And she would call me up. She asked how I'm doing. And I go, I'm okay. And, she, and then she go, you're not okay because you're not talking. Right? And she go, and then she, I think she recognized him. She go, okay, if you, everything you're go going through, are you talking to somebody? And i mom telling her, yeah, I'm talking to somebody. And she go, so who are you talking to, Tim? And I go, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> 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 and she got so mad, right? And she... She put the big sister hat on instead of the, the director of the program. You know, she decided to put the big sister hat on and she go, I don't care what you're doing, you're gonna go talk to somebody, you know, and she went a whole rent, right? So I go, okay, Mr. You know, Dr. Lim, I will talk to somebody. So uh so I talked to somebody. And we have and we end up working through a lot of my uh my childhood trauma that uh that I uh, how I say that. I bear it so deep, you know. Um,
0: what it, what I can say is that I hope to see you on here again um, to to talk about the next stage of of you know we we got the hard stuff out. So I want to see the the next tapestry of the work that you're 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 knitting or you're you're painting or you're of your you know what kind of building blocks you're putting together. Um, and i think hopefully you can think you know in the in the dark times that you know there's guys like me and other people like dr tauha that you have to quote unquote report to right and i want to hear the report of um the ups and downs of the next few years and you know um be a part of um the friends of the podcast you know come on as a regular and and, and, and update me and tell me about, you know, the things that are happening. And for you to know, like in the future, uh, that this is always something that is, um, waiting for you, you know, the hope to hear, you
1: you know, something uh, in the future. When you got me your guest, you know I mean? Uh, I'm going to tell you how you mentor me to, uh, to start my own podcast.
0: Yes. (laughs) That is the next thing that we should work on together. Um, yeah, and I, and I've told you <laughs> before, and I think we should, uh, take a serious, uh, step in that direction because I think it's a healing thing. It's a healing thing for me.
1: It, you know, it is, is it, like, you know, I'm, 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 I, I went, I came on this podcast, did not expect this much healing and this much, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, understanding or, or or reflection or of finding uh finding myself think that i need to uh also reflect on and continue to work on you know uh this has very been like you said healing
0: it's a two-way uh, street man it's a two-way street for you for me and for the thousands of people that will be listening to this it's also something that you know it's like weird we're both talking in our own room and we're like just it's a one-on-one but the weird thing is like it's not even just hundreds of people but it's like thousands of people that will be listening to this and you know some people hit me up and i'm like holy shit blah blah blah, blah. like that was transformative and yeah these things are real and i i do hope to to see you uh on your podcast journey uh
1: just to say you know kenneth uh you know thank you for gi- allowing this, uh for giving us voice you know what i mean uh you know i mean for giving our community voice you know from uh dr Ha to all those others countless uh, you know others that, that you uh was uh you know uh you know was on your podcast that you allowed to share their story they're allowed to give their voice and their share story and the uh, you know, like you said, thousands of people that you have touched through your podcast, you know what I mean? And, you know, uh, but thank you for giving me my, my voice, you know, allowing me to, evolve, you know, so uh, giving this opportunity to hopefully that, uh, there's a young ten out there, uh, you know, yeah. a young, young is out there somewhere might sit there and go, oh, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe I need to, you know, work on something
0: this is where the second generation doesn't have to do the violence. And, you know, this is where it changes right here, right? Because the first generation already had gone through it. But now the experience of the first generation uh, like us uh, can talk about it. And, you know, through your podcast, you can start to generate a different level of awareness in in young men that are heading in your direction. And hopefully some therapists, some counselor out there be like, you know
1: what? not only young men though, you know yeah. me, right? Young men, young woman, mm-hmm. young, you know, you know what I mean? So, uh, and I think uh, what you're doing right now is 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 pretty much the same thing. You know, you 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 allow you allow our younger generation, whether it be men or young men or young women or you know, whatever they chose to be, you know, with mean? this this yeah you know, this uh, this healing process, you know, I me mean? um you know I mean? So you know, on, on their behalf, I thank you. You know, I appreciate like, that. You're doing uh, what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great thing. That's I think that's something I could, the right word for it.
0: You know? Thank you for the kind mm-hmm. words, Tin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, like I said, I do hope to see you back very soon. And I hope to be one of the guests that come on your podcast eventually.
1: Thank you. <laughs> bye, it.
0: Bye, bye. Thank you for listening to the Vietnamese with Kenneth Wynn. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trinh. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at the Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening.